0: We're back. Washington Nationals win this series. Talks of impeachment suck the oxygen out of the room, every room. And Barack Obama speaks. But for how long? All this and more on this week's 3 season a pod.
1: Season A Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors, a look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication.
0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Bashan Mann, and with me on the show, as always, are Chris Savello and John Schofield, and we thank you for joining us this week on this, our Season 2 premiere of Three Season A Pod. Gentlemen, it's great to be back. We really appreciated the great feedback on Season 1 and all the words of encouragement, so let's keep this ball rolling. For more of the provision conversation, follow us on Twitter and give us your thoughts at ProV Advisors. That's P-R-O-V Advisors. Or you can check us out on the web, www.provisionadvisors.net. As always, we look forward to hearing from you. All right, folks, let's jump into today's show with Rearview Mirror. Look, there's only one topic on the minds of the folks here in the Washington, D.C. area, and that is the world champion Washington Nationals. This was an exciting World Series, one for the ages, goes down in the history books, with countless storylines and connections to communications. And that's what we will hit on in our first segment. To start it off, John, what grabbed your attention?
2: Number one, congrats to the Washington Nationals. The bitter Orioles fan of me can cannot help feel just bitter about their success, like any good Orioles fan. Uh, but beyond that, I would say that the series itself was fantastic uh, in terms of a demonstration of athletic ability. Um, it went seven games. That's great for MLB. Uh, the ratings are through the roof. Uh, it was a really feel-good story there at the end. Uh, yet the real storyline that I think is going to keep Uh, really grabbing them. And and I don't think they can really do anything about it right now is the bad umpiring uh, narrative. Yes. Uh, yes. It it was dominant throughout. It was talked about last night. They even talked about how, you know, the dude who was uh, umpiring home plate last night was specifically picked because he had the best rating uh, based on, like, the video reviews of umpires over the year. Mm -hmm. Um, They they are obviously – very very uh concerned about this the the bad call up the first baseline on Trey Turner the balls and strikes uh the the very quizzical review of that Trey Turner play
0: just over um, 10 minutes yeah
2: yeah so I think I think as they go forward um they're gonna have to really figure something out here because I don't think I as someone who played baseball can never really stomach the idea of a robot calling balls and strikes and I know not at all the three of us have talked about this and I, I even think Chris is in favor of it but I'll let him defend that position himself but uh, it, it they have to do something they have to do something to I don't know how you how you weave that uh, in terms of hey errors are are a part of the game it's a game of inches centimeters really close calls you know having the human element in it makes it more interesting well that's that's a hard narrative to keep on someone that's They think the umpires cost them a game. So that's what they really have to handle messaging-wise coming out of what I thought was a very successful World Series.
0: Thanks, John. Chris, how about you?
2: I do think
3: that uh, robot umps is a good idea. Um, I I think it works in tennis for the most part. Um, And and I I don't think it would be too big a stretch uh, to to get there. I mean, that's kind of one of the areas that uh, I guess I'm not a purist uh, in and, and probably am in minority opinion although it was uh, funny as you watched uh, the comments on twitter over the last several uh, nights um, i think maybe more and more people are at least willing to consider it uh, not sure how many are actually r- real fans or influential in the conversation but i do think it's worth uh, considering just given as john as you mentioned just given the problems uh, the perceived problems that there um, that there were with uh, with the umpiring especially on balls and strikes but for me, um, I, I broke it down into three things that really caught my attention. Okay. The one was just kind of what this means for D.C. Um, it was um, really interesting. Uh, you know, the three of us went to a number of games uh, from the wild card uh, up through the World Series. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the district handled it very well. Um, I mean, you, you know, there are small things here and there. Um, but, I mean, as somebody that lives in the suburbs of D.C. and selectively calls D.C. my home, I, I was pretty proud of how the city handled it, how the fans handled it, and, like John, um, feel really happy for Nationals fans. Um, n- not a national fan, I-, I absolutely jumped on the bandwagon, um, as it was hard not to, uh, as somebody that lives around here. But my first point would be, you know, kudos to the city. Uh, I thought they did a good job throughout. The second thing is I was really struck, as um, I think a lot of people were, by um, the significance of the road team performance uh, in uh, in each of those games. So Historic, right, even. Right, yeah. First time ever that um, every game was won on the road. I, I don't know what that means, except that it is a pretty interesting uh, storyline um, and kind of flies in the face of this idea of, the need for home field advantage and right. um, almost to the point where you handicap teams based on where the games are being played. And uh, both the Nationals and the Astros showed that it, uh, it, it didn't really matter. And then the third point was, um, I kind of felt like this was a respite from politics in some ways. I mean, it gave you something to feel good about, Um, whether you're an Astros fan, whether you're a Nats fan, or just enjoy baseball. I mean, for a couple hours a night, maybe save for game five. um, Exactly. You know, that the president was at and was booed. But in the other games, I felt like it was a relief. It was kind of fun to argue with people on social media about something other than politics and it not be so... um, hate-filled and, uh, you know, people not being, uh, you know, their feelings being hurt so easy. I mean, you could kind of jaw back and forth with people. So now it's back to, to normal here uh, in, in this town, and everybody will be consumed with politics, and we'll talk about that in the next segment, but uh, I enjoyed the, the relief.
0: Yeah, I have to say, um, and thank you to the, to you both for uh, for your comments there. As someone who lives in Southeast D.C., um, my vantage point, uh, a couple of things I'll look at, uh, especially from a communication standpoint, is how is how the Nationals actually were able to, uh, as an organization, take certain elements like s- hashtag Stay in the Fight, um, and then and then sort of make little adjustments to it as the uh as the ser- as each series went on as the as from the wild card all the way uh through to the world series and then that just became something uh that they used to uh generate energy uh in and around the region uh to see people uh just a more and more of uh uh preponderance for people wearing uh dc hats you know the curly w um what you saw people wearing shirts just started to pop up all over the city as you as you uh, drove around or walked around the city uh, as the as the series went on. Uh it was interesting to walk you know, Chris, as you mentioned, uh, the three of us went to several games uh throughout the uh the, the postseason there. Uh and to see the uh the energy around the ballpark to uh just more and more foot traffic, people just wanting to be in and around uh the stadium. Uh and then it was it was uh i i attended game 3 the first home game here uh in washington dc and it was almost as if even though the um you know everyone from dot uh, the mayor's office uh public works the nationals uh metropolitan police department everyone handled themselves um very well but there was almost a bit of dare i say shock um can you a lot of people just can you believe it can you believe this is a World Series that we're celebrating here uh, in Washington D.C. That we're that we're hosting, that we're putting on the um, the night of uh, the win against St. Louis. Uh, the bars in that area, in that immediate area in southeast, didn't even know how long they would stay open. Um, and and there's there's got to be you know there's well over a dozen uh, eateries and bars uh, in that in that area now uh, that are virtually brand new, and they didn't even you know just Throw the rule book out the window. Uh, we're here as long as these fans are here. Uh, so it was, it was interesting to, you know, to see that energy, to, uh, to feel it uh, reverberate uh, throughout the city. Uh, and, and look, I, I was out there myself. Uh, I was ha- happy uh, to be in it, uh, even as someone who uh, is, is not uh, a born and raised Nationals fan. Uh, but this is where my daughters were born, and uh, they have a rooting interest in the team. Uh, so it was good to watch. It was good to see. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, our friend in full disclosure, uh, the entertainment director, Tom, Tom Davis, uh, really happy for him and his team uh, for the show that they put on there, for the fan experience. Uh, I think that's something that we all uh, that we all enjoy when we go to a game. So, yeah, kudos to the Nationals organization uh, and to the DMV area. Uh, Don't you think
2: it puts the uh, pressure on... The Redskins a little bit more. Like, think of everything you just said, Bashan, about the Nationals uh, franchise and about this whole experience. You know what a great customer experience everyone gets. Uh, what a good show that's put on. And now you think, from a communication standpoint, the challenge it faces a storied team like the Redskins. Now that the uh, now that the Caps have won, now that the Nats have won, the the exact antithesis of customer experience of of ease of logistics of just good quality product of good leadership of good playing um, exists right down there in Landover. Um, And I I think it's, it's really going to shape the expectations of the city. uh, Now that they know what winning is and what winning should be the fact that Dan Snyder doesn't deliver it, I think presents a great communications challenge uh, for the Redskins.
0: It presents a challenge, but the one thing that I sort of, I don't know. I, I look at it. Sure. It's very obvious right now. Uh, you've got the Capitals, you've got the Mystics, and now the, the Nationals winning, a, winning a, a national championship. But here's the thing. I don't think Dan Snyder and that organization at this point, it, I don't think they care. I, I, really, I, I just don't think they, they care about the fan experience until there's actually going to be no one left in that darn stadium
3: that's the problem right both of you just alluded to it as you mentioned tom davis and the other people that we know in the nationals i mean beyond the world series win i think all three of us share the view that a classy fan oriented organization i mean we've done a lot of things with the nationals over the years every time you leave that park i mean despite what you think of the nationals or even fans. Um, you walk away feeling good that they gave everything and, and, and put out the, the red carpet. And I think that's the biggest challenge for the Redskins. And John, to be honest, I think that's where the Orioles suffer. In addition to the inability to put a, a good product on the field of play, respectively, whether it's in Landover or it's in Camden Yards, both of those organizations seem to be stuck in the you know late 80s when it comes to um, – customer service and reaching out and engaging with fans. That's what I think is the bigger issue. And that's what I was the most impressed with the nationals historically, but especially during this run.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it, it's a stark contrast. Um, it's, I think what's specific to this region is the deep rooted legacy of the football team and what it means to fans and I just, I mean, look, we know purely from a, from a financial standpoint, Dan Snyder's not going anywhere. I mean, he's just not. Um, and I don't know exactly if, I, I don't know if the, the fan base in this town is ready to really, like, what lengths they're ready to go to in order to turn that pressure on. I think there is, a, and we can get into this in a, in a whole other conversation, like, it, it's got to go beyond Twitter, right? It, it, it's really, the pressure has to be, you know, in the Washington Post. It has to be um, damn near at his front door. It can't just be the occasional rant on, on the radio. It really has to be a sustained drumbeat to put, pr- to put pressure on the organization. I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm watching just like, uh, just like the rest of you. Well, folks, we look back and when we return, we're going to deep dive. You're listening to Three Season a Pod. Stay with us.
1: Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie ahead.
0: We're back, and it's time to deep dive. Gentlemen, it is impossible to open a newspaper, go on Twitter, or actually just sit in a coffee shop and not be confronted with the looming impeachment inquiry of Donald J. Trump. The prospect and the issues associated with why or why not impeach have overtaken the new cycle. doesn't matter the story. It inevitably gets back to impeachment, whether the world series, 2020 election cycle, Conan, the Delta force dog, you name it, all roads lead to the same spot. We got a deep dive folks. Chris, why don't you get us started?
3: In the opening you, uh, you really hit on it. Um, I, I am really struck by just how everything connects to this idea of impeachment. And, uh, and really, from a communication standpoint, it either supports the idea of impeachment or it deflects from the idea of impeachment. So, I mean, it it's become sort of very black or white in terms of how the issues are related. Um, I don't really remember as well in 1998 when we went through this with Bill Clinton. I mean, I think it's different on a couple levels. I mean, it was really about personal behavior. Um, and the internet and social media um, was not nearly where it is today. I mean, that, that goes really without saying. But I mean, the mm-hmm. media landscape was was very different. And so, I think there are really, you know, two huge consequences from a communication standpoint of how interconnected and how crowded this issue has become. One, I think that um, we're missing out on a lot of really important news. Um, I think the 2020 elections and the nuance that we talked about um, at the beginning of the summer and I think it's been drowned out I mean it's almost like this is happening on a different planet. Um, these speeches and these uh, these c- campaign events the the top stories have been about the impeachment and what it means and so, there's a lot of important news that people aren't picking up on. I think that in some cases, that may be a good thing. If you're a communicator, you're able to stay out of the national spotlight. You're able to uh, have your issue bubble up to the mid-level, and then it quickly goes away because it's drowned out. But it makes me wonder, like, what are we missing? What important news are right are we as a nation? The second thing is, is uh, in the name of either – pushing forward with impeachment or defending against it, I just, I really feel like our national values are, uh, are, are under attack. Um, and whether that's, um, diminishing or making fun of a lieutenant colonel, uh, because of his sense of service and his sense of obligation Mm -hmm. um, or whether it's, you know, pushing a, Newly elected member of Congress out of office w- without the due process that members have historically been entitled to. Right. Um, everything gets pulled in and connected to this uh, this divisive issue of impeachment, and uh, I-, I don't think it's a good thing.
0: Well said, uh, John. How about you?
2: I try to think back to where we were when we ended season one, and and then fast forward to what we're talking about here at the beginning of season two and how much this has seemed to evolved, but not evolved. Um, It's like the storylines are a little bit different, but the vitriol is still the same. Um, You know, yes, it's impeachment now. Back when we ended season one, it was the Mueller report. It just feels like this very bizarre sense of deja vu all over again and it's obviously very disappointing to me i've i've been very vocal about my personal views um regarding this current administration it's just very interesting to to chris's point and i don't want to come off sounding like cory booker here where you know and we can talk about the messaging of cory booker if there was any time without impeachment you know but his his new tact of saying hey we have to stop attacking each other we have to bring stability back into play um it just it just doesn't exist and it started it it really started with the trump administration this very bizarre crossing of lines this very hey this is a taboo you don't ever do this until the trump administration basically walked all over it and now it's like this discordant very very hate-filled narrative and relationship um, just exists all the time now amongst everything. Um, it's way too easy and way too ignorant for me to like just attribute that to the rise of Trumpism. But but the the origins behind Trumpism, I believe, are are probably a little bit more um, at play here. So as we go through the impeachment inquiry. I just, I don't know where it's going to end up. It certainly looks like it has to end up with something, particularly with the revealing of the Lieutenant Colonel's role in this whole thing. But, uh, I, I just can't, I can't see how our national reputation survives this, whether he gets impeached or not. And, and I almost admit the point where I care more about our national reputation than, than I do for, for what happens to the president, um, and, and that might sound like a cop-out, but that's kind of where it is.
0: Understood, points taken, gentlemen. Uh, if, if, I think for me, you have to, you have to look, e- even if it's really small, you, you look through the darkness of that tunnel, and there's a little bit of light out there, and we just gotta all keep walking towards it. Does that sound Pollyannish? All right, fine, no problem. We are angry, we are frustrated, uh, we are all angry and frustrated together, So I'm going to step out on some faith that if we keep our ideals intact, that I want uh, what's best for my neighbor, that I want what's best for the two of you and your families, uh, that if I keep that at the forefront, there is going to be uh, an arrival to to that light. All right, a little preachy. I, I I get it, but what else do we have? I mean, what else do we have? We, <laughs> it's it's either we're all gonna d- destroy one another, um, or, or or we get we get through it. I sure, John, our, our national reputation uh, is going to be is going to be sullied. I look, it, it's it's not the first time. It's not the last time. Uh, we we have to always strive. Uh, to be better uh, in in all things that we do, um, I think it's going to take some monumental moves, some monumental lifts, and I don't know, look at the news out of twitter just just yesterday with the the ending of political ads something. I don't know if you you look at that as a big thing or a small thing, but that's what I mean by a monumental move, a, a collective move of conscience. Hey, look, we have to do better no matter which side you are on. So let's lift up and pull together and say, look, we're not gonna do this anymore. Let's cut this out of the uh out of the discourse, out of the out, out of the uh the MO, uh the modus operandi. All right. Let's move together. Uh, towards, that, towards that light at the end of this tunnel that we're all in right now. And we're all in it. We're all in it. I have to hold myself accountable for things I put out there on social media in anger and frustration. And and at some point sit with myself and say, well, what is that doing? Uh, one, for my own uh, heart and mind and, and for the, the, the folks I call friends and family, colleagues for that matter. So uh, I don't want to, what, here's what I don't want to, to do. I, I think I've moved past John. You mentioned where we were in season one, and now back in season two. I want to come with more energy. I want to come with a more hopeful energy. Um, you know, in, in, impeachment be damned. Uh, I need to focus uh, on on what's immediately within my grasp. Uh, whoever hears us on this podcast, uh, whoever sees us on social media or in the work that we do, are we doing it with the vigor? in the acumen uh, and the uh, integrity uh, of where we want to see uh, ourselves individually and where we want to see our brand.
3: I'm going to watch your Twitter feed though and remind you of uh, <laughs> of, of this very mature and optimistic <laughs> monologue that you just delivered. I'm going to hold yeah. you accountable.
0: Yeah. And, and you know what? You know what's, um Please do. And I'm going to I'm going to get to this and on the horizon uh, in something that I discussed yesterday uh, with with a different group of folks. Um, but but there is a self accountability. You got to have these honest conversations instead of trying to, um, you know, sit on the fence or play both sides and, and all of that. Like there, there's one thing to call out something that's not right. Uh, it's another thing to try and throw to throw zingers, but you need to say to yourself, and, and I need to look at myself in the mirror and say, what is it what is it doing? So there is being uh cheeky and humorous and then there is trying to dump on a particular situation uh when it's when it's rather unnecessary. Uh so so yes, I I do need to uh to hold my own self accountable. Well the
2: uphill One battle that you face and that we all face in this is is basically encapsulated on on cory booker's appearance on the view yesterday where he basically did it in more of like a newark sort of politician way uh what you just said a a lot more centered on what he wants to do to fix america and after trying to take this just incredible high road hey i'm not attacking anyone hey we need to inject civility into this again megan mccain just started screaming at him again it was it was perfect um i had no yeah that's neat shut up how are you gonna go into my brother's home and take away his ar-15 <laughs> you know it's it's just it's where it is you know so we can we can high ground it all we want and i will i've i'm traditionally known as someone who doesn't necessarily take the high ground but uh but you know, we have to understand that the, the nature of the glide slope on this whole thing in america is in the negative direction. It's going to take a supreme yeah. effort like what you were talking about Bashan, to even get it onto a level uh, before Glide slopes up.
0: Yeah, I've long said this before, and people sort of laugh at me because it sounds somewhat ridiculous, I guess. But in Ghostbusters 2, the slime was running underneath the city, and it was affecting everybody's mood uh, in, a, in a negative manner um so we've got we we're all being you know we we got some slime running beneath everybody across the nation and it's affecting people's moods and it's a it's this everyday thing i mean look man we you know what people out here have problems people got, i'm talking about some serious problems if i'm you know i i complain about um a dental visit and the cost of insurance but hey man i i'm blessed enough that i have the ways and means to pay for it, even if I think I'm being price gouged, but there's, I mean, people are just worried about where they're going to eat next, man, keeping a roof uh, over their heads, and and that's all, you know. Chris, you mentioned about what's being lost as people, you know, f- go back and forth about what to do at a baseball game in Game Five, or whether or not this team should should make a trip to to Pennsylvania Avenue. Hey, man. I mean, there's there's people out here with some real problems.
3: That's my concern. You nailed it there. I mean, what what are we missing, John? You mentioned gun control. Bash, you talked about healthcare. Um, I mean, there's national security issues. I mean, I get that this is a passionate issue. I get that there's a you know we have a a role to play in how we conduct ourselves. But what are we missing, and what are the consequences of uh, uh, of those important issues being crowded out? So I, I think you know we've got a season's worth of time to to really dig
0: into that uh and let's do it let, let, let's do it all right folks we hope you've stuck with us through that deep dive there was a lot for us to talk about here in the uh the first episode of season two uh but we're coming right back with what's next on the horizon stay with us you're listening to three season a pod
1: at provision advisors we specialize in strategic communication planning execution and coaching for senior level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity.
0: Welcome back to Three Season of Pod with Provision Advisors. Gentlemen, let's look out on the horizon at what the days ahead may bring. John?
1: All right. Well, Bash, I'm
2: looking out for two things. Number one, in in the vein of what we were talking about before, about things that get lost in the news, it literally took me three clicks which is a lot on the cnn website this morning to get any information on the california wildfires uh it's below impeachment it's below the world series i actually had to click on u.s news and then and then a series of clicks from there Um, it's really kind of a not talked about natural disaster out there and and a bunch of my friends are firemen A really good college classmate of mine um, is a Colorado uh, fireman who um, you know is possibly getting called to help out the people of California with these two wildfires the one in northern California north of San Francisco is terrible Mm -hmm. Um, they're all terrible and and you know you were saying bash we've got a scenario with people out there who have real problems yeah this this whole thing, and I'm not going to let this degenerate into a climate change discussion. This whole thing is not going away. Um, it can be my on the horizon topic, uh, you know, for forevermore. Uh, the idea right. of what climate change is doing, uh, what it will do to California, what these wildfires are going to do to these poor people. Um, I'm going to keep my eye on that and to see how it will get into the national discussion because it's going to have to eventually. Um, you know, I, I know that Trump isn't a, a very politically savvy dude, but, you know, trying to put yourself out there to help this really very terrible disaster with the people of California might take a little bit of the gas off the, uh, off the impeachment fire. But it's, it's a terrible situation, and, I, and I'm certainly hopeful for the people of California that it, gets, that it gets contained soon. And the second thing I'm looking forward to is just doing this pod again. Super fun, loved talking about issues of communication, love talking about them and breaking them down with you guys. That's my on the horizon.
0: Righteous. John, uh,
3: you know, maybe in a future episode we could talk about climate change. I- I'm not familiar with what you're talking about. I've, I've never heard of climate change. So it would be- uh,
2: A lot of people yeah. call it fake news. There's some deep <laughs> fake videos I can show you. Um, yeah, okay. so, yeah. It's a, it's to a discussion topic. topic. It's like Bitcoin. Right, right. I would love to hear the science behind it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. Chris?
3: Hey, so mine is not nearly as highbrow as John's. Um, I am going to watch how the NCAA uh, handles their decision to allow athletes uh, to receive compensation uh, for their own likeness. So this mm-hmm. was uh following up on the California law and the threat by other states to enact similar laws, the NCAA made a decision this week, um, really taking the first step to allow um, athletes to receive compensation. So think, you know, if an athlete's on the cover of the video game or if they're, um, you know, potentially it opens it up for, I I think for um, athletic endorsements and things like that. So, you know, up till now, if their picture was taken or a piece of video was used in a commercial or whatever, um, they, uh, they they would not have received compensation. And so the NCAA made the decision, but like a lot of um, tough decisions that communicators face, sort of the first decision and communicating that first decision is the easiest. And so now the devil will be in the details for the NCAA. Um, they've got to make sure that it doesn't take too long. Um, I think they prudently gave themselves some time the California law doesn't take place, uh, doesn't um, go into effect until 2023. The NCAA said, I think that they would have, uh, that their decision would go into effect in 2021. Um, but what happens from, uh, um, from a logistics and from a communication standpoint between now and then will be very important. Um, this is a victory for sure for the NCAA and for athletes. Um, can they continue to keep the progress going so that they don't sacrifice that victory? So, a little bit of a long answer, but that, that's what I'm uh, going to watch over the next couple of weeks.
0: No, Chris, definitely. And a, uh, a special shout out to Ed O'Bannon of UCLA uh, for actually getting that ball rolling uh, so many years ago. Uh, so, yeah, we'll stay tuned to see where that goes. Gentlemen, former President Barack Obama in an event at his Obama Foundation just this past Tuesday raised a few eyebrows, got some people thinking with a quote he offered. I'm gonna read just a little piece of it here. Quote, this idea of purity and you're never compromised and you're always politically woke and all that stuff. You should get over that quickly. The world is messy, there are ambiguities. People who do really good stuff have flaws. People who you are fighting may love their kids and share certain things with you. The president continued, among young people particularly on college campuses, where there's this sense that for way for me making change is to be as judgmental as possible about other people, and that's enough. Obama continued, that's not activism. That's not bringing about change. If all you're doing is casting stones, you're probably not going to get that far. That's easy to do, end quote. And there was more in his speech uh, on Tuesday. But just what the former president was talking about there is what we were discussing previously in Deep Dive, this uh, rush to cast judgment, go to the negative, a little bit of the cancel culture, uh, sort of an all or nothing uh, in our discourse. And that's just not gonna get us anywhere. We see where it's gotten us over the past two to three years. And we're still sitting here in the same space, missing out on things, not growing not evolving. So as I said earlier uh, to my colleagues uh, and and said out loud to anyone who's listening, I need to hold myself accountable. My children are watching. I have a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. My family is watching me. And I need to be able to look in the mirror and say that I'm doing the best I can to better the environment that I'm in. Is that an uphill battle? Will I get it wrong some days? Yes. We're human and we're gonna make mistakes. But like I said, we're all in this together, all right? There is no earth number two. This is what we've got. So I ask you, what are we gonna do with it? Folks, we really appreciate you sticking with us. We're glad to be back for season two. We want to hear from you. We want your feedback. Please look to our Twitter page, follow us, let us know what you think out there. And until next week, Be good, be safe, and be better than yesterday.
1: Thank you for listening to Three C's in a Pod. Have a great week.